Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today. You're about to hear message audio from one of our weekend services, but before you do, just want to remind you, you can tap the link in the description or text Cersei to 88000 to get connected and stay up to date with what's going on on our campus at all times. You can give online, join a life group, or find more information about joining a serve team as well. You can also request prayer. We love praying for the needs of our church every single week. If you have a prayer request, tap the link in the description, or again, text Cersei to 88000 for more information. Uh, surprise, you get stuck with me again. Um, Kevin uh, is watching online today. He said, I did such a great job last week. that he said, Craig, why don't you do it? I'm kidding. Uh, he, it turns out, has, has COVID. So it's still around, y'all. Uh, so he is, he is off this weekend again. So you get me. Um, today we're starting a brand new series in the book of Mark. Before we get to that, though, real quick, I want to thank you guys for your faithfulness and giving. Um, if you are our guest today, maybe this part of the service isn't applied to you, but if you call New Life Home, we just want to thank you for that. If you've never given, if you've never made that kind of commitment and, and called a church home like that before, what we want to ask you to do, just pray. Just pray about it. Talk to your family. Seek God about it. Uh, you can hop on to our YouTube channel or the podcast. We did a great series at the end of last year called There Is No Plan B that talks a lot about generosity and what, it, what our church believes when it comes to giving and what we do with that kind of stuff. So if you're interested in learning more about that, hop on there. But there's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can text Cersei to 88000. You can go to the website. There's boxes between the doors as well. So uh, as always, just thank you for that. I mentioned we're starting a new series in Mark uh, all year long. We've, we've really been talking about this a lot over the last uh, several weeks, uh, really since we started the new year. We're putting a heavy emphasis on the word this year. Not that we don't normally, but this year we're putting extra emphasis. And so during most of our series this year, you're going to be hearing, we're going to be doing things like that, going through specific books of the Bible, less topical, more diving right into Scripture. And so we're going to start with several weeks in the book of Mark. Um, this is probably going to lead up right at or if not close to Easter. And so we're going to be here for a minute. Um, you, you heard me mention last week, uh, just like our Rooted series, we have a book, a guided booklet uh, for you if you would like that. Uh, we're actually starting a daily reading plan tomorrow across every one of our campuses that coincide with our messages on Sunday. And uh, it goes through the book of Mark with us. We have a free download of this available. So if you're a, a digital person, you want to be able to take notes on your iPad or your phone, uh, text Cersei to 88000 to find that. We also, the Amazon link is now live. So if you're like, I like a physical paper tactile thing, uh, you can get that. I think we have a code for that that you can scan or just go to Amazon, search New Life Church. And, uh, and you can find that on there as well. And so we want you guys to dive in with us. We've also been talking about bringing physical Bibles. You see the, the, the code there on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, we want to be able to provide you one. If you have already scanned this code and filled out the form and let us know, we have your Bibles today. And so at the end of service, on your way out, uh, swing by the living room. And you'll see Tiffany in there, and we will get you your Bible today. If you have not scanned the code, I'm going to ask that you scan the code, uh, just because we've ordered enough for each batch. And so uh, if you're like, I don't have one, can I pick one up today? Let us let the people who scan the code get them first, 
and then whatever we have that extra, but go ahead and scan that code so we know. We'll order more. We'll order as many as we need to. We want to make sure you guys have Bibles in the place today. Okay, enough of all that. Let's dive into it. Are you guys ready to get into the Word today? All right, that was a little bit more enthused than I'm excited to be here, so I'm going to take that as a win. Um, Mark chapter 1, uh, we're going to start in verse 40, so if you got your Bible, you can go ahead and head that direction. Really, I'm going to focus in on two verses today, two or three verses today, um, but it does a great job of summing up what this story is all about. If you're not familiar with the gospel of Mark, the, the book of Mark is very fast-paced in, a, in comparison to the other gospels. Um, the book of Mark is for those who like, you know, triple shots in their coffee or Red Bull or what I came to know as a student pastor, uh, there's something called a brown bull. If you don't know what a brown bull is, it is a black coffee chased with Red Bull. You need that for youth conferences and retreats. Can I get an amen, Johnson? Okay. Um, the book of Mark is very fast-paced. It is, it's getting right to the point. It's, it's, if, you, if you like to just kind of, I want to know what's going on, get me there quickly, the book of Mark is for you. Mark uses the word immediately 40 times. Uh, he gets right to the point. Mark's mom is also mentioned in Acts chapter 12. Her name, like Jesus's, uh, is Mary. And we know she's a widow. She has big faith. The early church met secretly in her home. Her home is actually where Peter went right after an angel released him for prison. So we see a lot of connections here. You're going to see a lot of connections early on with Peter. If you identify with Peter in the Gospels and in Acts, if you say, hey, Peter is my kind of guy, you're going to love the book of Mark because these two are closely connected. Mark grew up with some of the early disciples and the apostles eating around his family's dinner table. Uh, Mark was on the fence, though, at an early age. So when he was young, he was on the fence. He backed out of a missionary opportunity uh, with Paul at an early age, but later on he takes another shot at faith, and this time he gets it. Like he, he's all in, he gets the vision, he catches it, and he goes all in. Mark was around Peter a lot, and so this is actually, a lot of scholars believe that, that the book of Mark is actually Mark interpreting for Peter. So a lot of these are from Peter's perspective, his experiences, and you see Mark start to write those things down. So the first chapter of Mark drops us into a snapshot in the day of the life of Jesus. Now, um, how many of you guys ever grew up watching Cribs? Come on, you can admit it in church, okay? Some of you are sheepishly going, that's me. Uh, this is kind of how I like to view it, okay? Like, we get dropped in on this episode of Jesus' life, and he's like, let me show you around my crib. Like, no, he's, 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 he, this is Jesus' life. This is what he's doing day to day, and we see this glimpse right away. And so this, this event we're going to talk about today in Mark chapter 1, verse 40, um, is a, a moment where Jesus heals a man with leprosy. This is a big deal because leprosy was a big deal, especially at the time. This particular event happens in three of the Gospels. So we see this three different times in Scripture. And any time, for me, when I'm studying, any time I see something happen more than once, uh, or, or repeat itself, I want to pay extra attention to. And so let's go to Mark chapter 1, verse 40. This is what it says. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. 
Verse 41, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Verse 42, and instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Now, this is a great verse, and I know you like hearing my dulcet tones read it, but there's this great series many of you have probably seen called The Chosen, and I want to show you guys a clip from that series that talks about this exact thing. Check it out, and hopefully it sets paints the picture. this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's a leopard. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 Rabbi you cannot. This disease. Please. Please. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, if you can make me clean, only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. an extra tunic. Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Not to spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? Come on. So let's talk about this disease for just a minute. You can see at the beginning of that clip, like the sheer panic on some of the disciples and the people that were with Jesus is their face. 
The reason why is because this disease was a big deal. It is not common today, but it does still exist. Many people are surprised to find that out. It's known today as Hansen's disease. Uh, the World Health Organization says that only about 200,000 people across the globe actively have leprosy. Uh, most of that number is in Asia and Africa. Only about 100 people in the U.S. per year are diagnosed with Hansen's. But in Jesus' day, it was everywhere. Like, it was running rampant. Uh, it is, to their time, what cancer is to us today. Everybody knew somebody that had it, and there was no cure for it. And so they just learned to live with it, and they learned to, to just suffer until death took them. Now, I'm going to read verbatim something I found when it comes to leprosy. And so, listen, if you're a little bit squeamish about this kind of stuff, just do la, 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 uh, and we can get through it together. But leprosy begins as small red spots on the skin. Before too long, the spots get bigger, start to turn white with a shiny, scaly appearance. The spots soon spread over the body, and hair begins to fall out, first from the head and then even from eyebrows. As things get worse, fingernails and toenails become loose. They start to rot and eventually fall off. Then the joints of the fingers and toes begin to rot and fall off piece by piece. Gums begin to shrink. They can't hold teeth anymore, so each tooth is lost. Leprosy keeps eating away at the face until the nose, palate, and even the eyes begin to rot off, and the leper wastes away until they die. In the Old Testament, lepers had to dress like people who were mourning for the dead because they were considered to be the walking dead. Coral. Some of you get that. If you don't, Google it. It'll make sense later. You'll think it's hilarious about two o'clock this afternoon. But that's why you, you hear at the end, does anybody have a tunic? Because they were supposed to dress themselves as if they were mourning the dead. They had to warn people around them by crying out, unclean, unclean. I am an unclean person. I'm coming in. Hide yourselves. Hide your kids. Hide your wives. Whatever you need to do, I'm coming in. I am unclean. The people of Jesus' day, though, went further than the Old Testament did. Now, this is amazing to me because you read the Old Testament a lot of times and go, that was extreme. But the New Testament people did things even further because they took it beyond just a skin condition or a physical condition, and they went to the spiritual. People in the, Old, uh, the New Testament said that you deserve this because this is a punishment of God against you. And Jewish customs said that you could not even greet a leper. Now, what I'm about to say, given what we've come through the last four years, what I'm about to say is going to sound like a joke, but I promise you it's not. In the Jewish custom said if you had leprosy, you were supposed to stay two meters away, which is just over six feet, and cover the lower part of your face. And it's really funny Kevin has COVID this weekend. I'm just saying, really funny to me. Leviticus 13.45 says, The leper must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of your face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. Leprosy was considered an outward sign of inward failure. To the New Testament people, this is what it was. Leprosy was just the physical ramifications of some deep sin or failure you must have committed. People didn't see a leper as just a sick person in need of care, but a literal failure in the eyes of God. 
Now, there's a strong chance that none of us in this room have ever uh, had any experience with leprosy. Uh, You probably have not had it. You probably don't know anybody that has had it. But there is a 100% chance that we have all failed at some point. So I want to do a little exercise with this verse, okay? I'm going to put this verse up on the screen again. But this time, I want us to substitute the word leper or leprosy with the word failure, okay? A man with failures came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the failures disappeared, and the man was healed. Come on, y'all, that's the gospel. That is the gospel of Jesus. I love this story because Jesus, in this man's illness, is representing what it means for his life to be here on earth. He He is showing what it meant for him to live and to die for us. Failures like us coming to Jesus and him willingly doing the unthinkable by even just talking with us. We deserve death. We deserve the pain. We deserve it all. But he comes to us willingly and says, I'm here to make you whole again. The problem is there are so many of us who do not take the first step. The story of this leper is amazing because the leper approaches Jesus. Verse 40 says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus asking to be healed. This man is proof of what will happen if we can just come to Jesus. If we can get past our failures, our mistakes, and the things that we we may have done in our lives that we feel like are holding us back. I mentioned earlier that, in the, that this story is recorded in three Gospels. The, the book of Matthew refers to this word uh, when he comes as he came to worship. Mark says on his knees, and Luke says he fell to his face, which means honor for a king. This man put himself in painful, a very painful situation. Luke says that the man was full of leprosy meaning this was probably in the advanced stages of his illness. So he was in pain. Every joint was hurting and rotting away. His skin in agony. And yet he took the moment to say, I'm going to stand up from wherever he was or crawl to Jesus and get down in a position that is painful to me, but worthy of a king. But all of the pain, all of the the uncomfortableness that he went through was worth it to get to Jesus. Verse 39, the verse before we just read, talks about how Jesus traveled throughout Galilee. And I wonder in reading that, because this is a point where, again, a snapshot of a day in the life of Jesus. We hear Jesus is going around village to village, town to town, house to house, area to area to talk to people and tell them this news. And I wonder... During Jesus' travels, how many lepers did he pass by? How many people, how many lepers saw Jesus but didn't do anything? We hear about the one who did. I'm wondering how many saw Jesus, recognized who he was from the stories and the tales of this man named Jesus, but walked by and watched the ultimate physician walk right by them but did nothing. How many people saw this creator of the universe, the person who could do anything, walk by them and yet just sit there still and not even attempt anything? So if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. Are you living 
with failure? Are you living with failure? Now listen, I don't know what your failure may be. I don't know what the mistake is in your life. I don't know, some of you may be hanging on to it. Maybe it happened 30, 40, 50 years ago and you have not been able to let it go. You can't get past it. Maybe it's something recent that maybe we just messed up and it's just nagging in the back of, the, of your mind. Maybe you're acing this and that's great. If, if you hear this entire message and you go, Craig, this doesn't really apply to me, that's amazing. I said this last week, but if that's you, help somebody who is struggling in this area. Because the, the truth is, we all fail, we all make mistakes. Every person in this room has messed up at some point. If we didn't, you wouldn't be here. We need Jesus, we need forgiveness, we need grace, we need mercy. And your failure may be an addiction that's just, you just can't seem to break. Maybe it's resentment towards somebody. Maybe you had a fight with somebody and that relationship has never healed. And you have scars to remind you of it. Maybe it's, it's thoughts. You just cannot let these thoughts escape your mind. Whatever it may be, I could go down the list of things that we have done that we look at as failures. Maybe you look at yourself as a failure. Maybe you've heard other people call you a failure. Whatever it is, I believe that we can all relate in some way or another. Um, we've all made mistakes, but failing and living with failure are two very different things. You can fail, learn from it, and try to be better next time, or you can live with your failure. Great example of failing and trying to do better. Anybody a sports fan in the house? Okay, any sports fans? Am I talking to some people? If you're not, I'm going to talk to you about it anyway. Tom Brady, okay, arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game of football. He still, in his career, threw 212 interceptions. Greatest to ever do it still, 212 times he threw it to the other team. If you're not familiar with football, you're not supposed to do that. Pedro Martinez played for the Red Sox. He walked 309 batters while playing for the Red Sox. Again, not supposed to do that. Michael Jordan missed 17% of his free throws. Greatest athlete of all time. A free throw, if you're not familiar, there's nobody in front of you. Nobody's trying to guard you. It is literally an open shot. You have the freedom to just, that's why they call it a free throw. Freedom to just throw it, okay? No, nobody guarding him missed 17% of his free throws. The only exception about athletes who may fail or may not fail, LeBron James, apparently he's never committed a foul in his entire career. Who knew? That was heavy sarcasm, if you couldn't pick up on that. We all fail. But if you're living with this failure, if you made a mistake last week, last year, 12 decades ago, that's an old person. It, no matter when it was that you made this, some of you were doing the math in your head. That's more than 70 years. Yes, it is. But if you made the mistake and yet you live with it, it doesn't become just part of your story. It becomes your story. Suddenly, this mistake you made, the failure that you had, starts to become part of who you are. You begin making decisions based on that mistake, based on that failure, instead of making decisions from a place of grace. Some of you are wondering, Craig, what is the stepladder doing here? Uh, this is to illustrate, there was a time in my early 20s when I was a much bolder man, 
And I was up on, a, it was a much taller ladder. I don't want you to think I'm a, 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 that fragile, but it was like a 10-foot ladder that I was on. <clears throat> and I was, I was doing some work. I was hammering something. And for some reason, I don't know if I got cocky or what, but I swung around and I fell off said ladder all the way down. Like I didn't even just slide down. It just complete swan dive off of this ladder. And in the process of falling to the ground, my ankle got caught and then eventually rested between two boards and the ladder and just completely shattered it, broke it. And again, early 20s, what did I do? I went to the doctor. No, I didn't go to the doctor. Are you kidding me? I was like, I'm fine. I got up, shook it off and kept going like this for the rest of the month, right? I was so arrogant. I was like, I'm fine. It's okay. It hurts. Yeah, okay. And I put, I put a little air cast on. I'll be fine. No, I was not fine. I'm a couple years from being 40 now. I'm still not fine. It still bothers me. When it rains, whew, it hurts. That was my failure. But imagine if I blamed this ladder. Again, a much bigger ladder. This is just for illustration purposes. What if I said, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have to live with this. I'm just gonna have to live with, with this failure. Rest of my life, I'm just gonna have to live with this. I'm sorry, okay, excuse me, coming through. Imagine getting on an airplane with this big old mistake, trying to find a seat at church. Excuse me, can you scoot down? I need to make room for my ladder. Going to a movie theater and the person behind you constantly throwing popcorn at you because you have a ladder sitting next to you. But yet so many of us, this seems like such a silly example. No, Craig, you would not, of course, you wouldn't carry around a ladder with you everywhere to remind you of your failure. But yet there are so many of us that we identify ourselves by our mistake. I would quickly, if I carried around this ladder with me everywhere I went, it would not take long for me to become the ladder guy. People would ask me, Craig, what's with the ladder, man? What are you doing with the ladder? And I would explain to them, well, you see, you know, when I was in my 20s, I fell off a ladder. Like, but dude, that was like two decades ago. Why, didn't, why do you still have the ladder? Well, it's, it's just to remind me, you know, I just, I, it's just kind of, you know, it's become who I am now. I'm the ladder guy. Instead of saying, you know what, I can leave the ladder behind and move on and become something different. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Failure doesn't separate you from God, but staying there does. Failure does not separate you from God. That is not where the sin is. There's a thing called grace. If you don't think that your failure is big enough for Jesus, you are undervaluing the weight of the cross. The cross is big enough to take care of whatever mistake or failure that you can bring him. It's not the act, it's not that single moment of failure that separates you from God. Living in it does. Carrying it around, never getting better, never moving forward, never getting over it. Isaiah 59 verse two, this isn't in the notes or anywhere I added it light, but <clears throat> Isaiah 59 verse two says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. The sin isn't the mistake we made. The sin is just letting it sit there and fester and grow mold and become part of who we are. God has separate, he, he has taken our sin and he has cast it far away. Why do we keep chasing it? 
When he died on a cross for us, he said, I'm going to take whatever iniquity and sin and messed up nature that you've got, and I'm going to cast it as far away as east is from west. You want to know how far that way that is? As you keep moving, it keeps going farther away. But what we keep doing is we keep trying to chase it because, oh, this is who I am. This is where my identity is. If I don't have this, what do I have? And like the leper and so many lepers in that moment, this was their identity. It was a failure that they had. How many of you have ever gotten a text message before that said, we need to talk? Anybody? <laughs> okay. Or maybe you work in an office and have heard, hey, come see me when you get a minute. <laughs> Those are the worst, right? Because for that moment, you're like, what did I do? <laughs> What mistake did I make? How did I fail? Am I going to get fired? What in the world is going to happen? And then you end up replying to that text message or calling them or going into the office. You're like, it was nothing big at all. Like, it was just something simple. It was no, no, no biggie. But in that moment, between the getting that text and the finding out, you are living in a perpetual state of misery. I believe the leper in this story felt that way for a long time. He had been told, the disease you have is because you are a failure in the eyes of God. Now put yourself there for just a minute. Imagine you right now having leprosy and people telling you right now, hey, you are a failure to God. I don't know about you, but for me, I'm going, what was it that I did? Where, where was the mistake? Where, where was the error? What could I have done that was so bad that God has turned his back on me and caused me to live this way for the rest of my life until I die a painful death. Living in agony. Failure will do that to us if we let it. You may be sitting here tonight, today. You may be laying in bed at night. And you may be going, okay, my life is just not going the way I really want it to. I'd much rather be this place or that place or further along in my career. Or maybe a loved one passed away and you're like, why did that happen? Or somebody is sick and you're like, why did that happen? Or you have just been given a terrible diagnosis. You're like, what God did I do to deserve this? But Mark Madison says it this way. You won't find God in the past. His name was not, is not I was. His name is I am. If we obsess over what happened last, we will miss what he wants to do next. God is saying, look, you made a mistake. It happens to everybody. It's time to move on. Take that ladder and get over it. Move on from your past. And it's going to be hard. There are going to be moments that is the hardest thing that you will ever do. It will, it will be painful. There may be relationships lost because of it. I'm not sure what your circumstance is. The failure, the, the thing that you go through is going to be painful. But taking that step toward Jesus and saying, if you are willing, cleanse me, is the best thing that you can do. Because in that moment, your failure goes away and suddenly you have a fresh perspective on who Jesus is. Don't let your failures keep you from getting to Jesus. Make the move. Take the step. That's the leper side of the story. I want to talk for the next two minutes about Jesus' side of the story. You see, the leper sees Jesus, 
and he believes that Jesus can heal him. He believes that he could. He's heard the stories. Maybe he's even seen proof of it. He knows that this man has the ability to make my illness go away. That wasn't in question. But he doesn't fully trust that Jesus will do it. The leper says, if you're willing. He isn't questioning Jesus' capabilities. He's questioning his willingness to do it. And when you are living with failure, this can quickly become your mindset. If you're sitting in church today, and if, you've, if, you've, if you believe in Jesus, if you're a follower, and maybe you have been for a while, there's probably no doubt that you know Jesus can do it. You hear this story, and you go, well, if he can fix that guy, he can fix me. But you may be asking yourself, but is he willing to do it? I know he's willing, but after failure, after failure, after living in failure for so long, would he be willing? Our our mindset becomes, I am unworthy. I'm not worth Jesus' time. I'm a useless lump of flesh and bone here. Does he even care about me based on what I've done? We disqualify ourselves before even approaching who Jesus is. But look at what this verse says again in verse 41. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. He did that first. The very first thing Jesus did was to reach out and touch this leper. Then he says, I am willing. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Not only was Jesus compassionate, he touches a man who is untouchable. And he does it first. Why is the order important in what Jesus does here? It's an age-old adage that we've said for a long time because actions speak a lot louder than words do. I'm sure this man, uh, this is conjecture, but I'm sure this man at some point had heard from his family, we'll come visit you. We, we still love you. We still care about you. But at some point, actions speak louder than words. And when they stopped coming around a lot, he started realizing, well, maybe they don't really love me. They don't really care about me. They, can only, they can't get past my disease. But Jesus in that minute says, I'm going to say the words in just a minute, but first, the action is more important right now. Who knows how long it had been since that man had felt human contact. I can just imagine it. Picturing Jesus laying his hand on the man's shoulder. What that must mean to somebody. If you've ever been away from your family for a long time, what do you do the minute you see them? You you give them a hug. You embrace them. Physical contact, it's important. And Jesus said, I don't care about your circumstance. I don't care about your illness. I don't care about any of that stuff right now. It's you and me. Actions speak louder than words. And this is what I'm doing for you right now. And then he says, I am willing. See, I just proved it. I am willing. Be healed. And the leprosy leaves. Jesus healed his broken spirit first. Cracking a door open to say, okay, I truly believe he is who he says he is. And that was the key to allowing his healing to come. 
broken spirit first, body second. Jesus, Jesus did this with so many of his healings. Look back in the Gospels. You will see countless times where Jesus echoed this time and time again. He knows what we need more than what we want. And he knows how valuable that is. And listen, again, I don't, there's so many people in this room, I don't know your stories, I don't know where you're from, I don't know your background, I don't know what failure or mistake is rattling around in your head right now as I'm talking. That thing that may be nagging on you for a long time. I'm not sure what it is, but I can promise you one thing. If you will take the step, Jesus is ready. And he is ready to meet the need first, long before he's ever going to meet the thing that you want to happen. Because he knows the need is more important. And if he can meet the need first, then oh my goodness, your eyes will open, the, the door gets unlocked to what, he, what you want for your life. Asking it will be given, knock at the door. It's a cause and effect. We have to do our part. I want you guys to bow your heads all across the room. Listen, wh wherever you're at in this place this morning, whatever situation you find yourself in, I don't care what the mistake was, and neither does God. Kevin said something in one of his messages, was it last year, the year before? I don't know, the last four years of running together. But he said something one time in a message that if God makes, everything God does makes sense to you, then you're valuing God too small. You want your God to be bigger than anything you can comprehend. That's what makes him God. And I say that to say this, there, there are so, there's someone in this room, I, I don't know who or how many, but I'm doing ministry for as long as I have, I know there's at least one person in this room right now who feels disqualified because of a mistake they have made at some point. And you think because of the mistake, because of the failure, there's 0% chance that God actually wants to use you. You hear it as preacher talk. You hear it at church and go, well, they're, just, they're asking everybody but me to help do that. You'll hear your friends and you'll say, well, they're just being nice. They don't really, if they knew, they wouldn't say that. It's too big. I'm in too deep. Maybe it's an addiction and that addiction has a hold on you. Listen. You may fail every single day and hate yourself because of your failure. You may beat your head against the wall. You may weep with tears. You may scream into a pillow every time you make a mistake, every time that failure rears its ugly head back up in your face. Let me promise you, God does not care about it. Past is the past. There's nothing you can do about the past. Guess what you can do? You can make right now matter. You can make tomorrow matter. You can make the next day matter. God cares for you. And if you are willing to come to him, 
He is willing to meet your need. But it requires a step. And listen, at our church, we, we, we don't like calling people out. And I'm not going to call anybody out right now. I'm not going to call anybody out. But I really do believe it does take a bold step of faith to say, there's stuff nagging in my life, and I am ready to be rid of it. I am ready to take a step, come to Jesus, and let him do something in my life that I know I can't do. And so here's what I'm going to ask. If that's you, if this message has hit a chord with you, if that's you, if you've been living with failure and it's time to let it go, I'm going to ask you to hold your hand up and keep it there for just a moment. Right now, all across the room, if that's you. I want you to keep your hand up. Don't be quick to put it back down. Keep it up for just a minute. This is your step. This is your act. This is your moment of saying, Jesus, I'm coming to you. Can you see me? I'm right here. Keep it up for just a minute longer. Now, I want you to keep that hand up now, not just as a signal to say, this is me, but I want you to hold that hand up as an act of saying, Jesus, yeah, that's, this, I have the failure right here in my hand. Take it. I don't want it anymore. Take it. With that hand lifted high right now, give it to Jesus. Let it not just be an act. Let it not just be a moment. Let it not just be part of a service. A real heart check moment of saying, here, take it. I don't want to live with this anymore, Jesus. Take it from me. And God, right now, every person with a hand lifted high, and there's several across this room, you see the failure. Nobody else in this room may see it, but you see it. And you don't care. It doesn't matter anymore. You've thrown it away, as far away as the eye can see. And God, this is our act of saying, God, I'm giving it to you. Take it away. I don't want to live with it anymore. Give me freedom right now, Jesus. I pray for freedom right now, this morning, for every person with a hand lifted high. We don't want to live with it anymore. You are willing, Jesus, we believe you are willing. Take it. In Jesus' name. Can we put our hands together? Come on, all across this room. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Freedom happened this morning. <laughs>